Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for a day like this. You have given it to us, and we're so grateful that we are alive, God. Thank you for keeping us. Thank you for the work that you have for each and every one of us. We know that, Lord, each and every life in this place is valuable before you. And, Lord, may you touch us at our point of need. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. My, 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 I'm, a, I'm a preacher's kid. And my, my mom and my father, they taught me manners. So one of the things they told me is, don't forget to remember where your blessing comes from. And at this particular time, I'm, I'm saying that because I have to recognize the fact that I'm a man, a man under authority. And I want to thank Jason and Susan for believing and trusting in us and imparting in us. I, found, I, I count myself privileged to be learning under them because they are just phenomenal human beings. Can we give a hand clap? Amen. 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 Oh, yes. We are in James chapter 2, and the subject in this passage is favoritism or partiality or discrimination. Now, I want you to understand this is a very, very serious matter before God. And it is something that we need to critically look at and think about and process and respond accordingly. So, I'm going to read the passage and then we'll get into the message. My dear brothers and sisters, James chapter 2 verse 1 to 13. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry. And another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? You know the answer. Listen to me. Dear brothers and sisters, hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. Hmm. Think about that one. You are guilty of breaking the law. For the person who keeps all the laws except One is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said, you must not commit adultery, also said, you must not murder. So, if you murder someone, but do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. 
So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. Now, I, I, I can just stop there and let you process these things because James is speaking with a certain force because he understands that all of these ideas that he's communicating to his readers are not strange ideas. He calls them brothers and sisters, meaning that there is a certain understanding that they have concerning the things he's telling them. James is trying, remember, to bridge the gap between belief and behavior. And we all have this challenge of putting our faith to work. And that's what the book is all about. Just putting what, what you believe in your heart coming out as you carry yourself. And although James is speaking to people in the diaspora, the people that are scattered, the Jews that are scattered in, the, in, the, in many different nations, this message applies to us because we are the scattered people in a different suburbs, in different working places, in the corporate world, in the industries, and God cares how we behave there. Are we different people when we're here compared to when we're out there? That matters to God. The subject of favoritism, partiality, or discrimination is very serious. And God is calling it a sin. And we have to come to a point where we actually take it very seriously. Because only then can we confess it and repent and act accordingly as people who are called by God's name. Amen? Oh, yes. Now, the people in this text, the readers, the people being addressed, they are in a world where things look a certain way, where people believe a certain way. But the problem is that instead of Converting the world with the message of the gospel, they have let the ideas and views, the world views of the world get into them. They've become more like the world they are living in. Instead of changing it through behaving like Christians. And James is challenging them. And one particular thing that he's bringing to their attention is concerning how they treat rich people and how they treat, treat poor people. Now, remember, this is discrimination. And we're just using this one as a launch pad to talk about other things, other areas in which we may be found discriminating. And we are in a very unique environment, very unique time, as a people in South Africa, I'm glad that we can actually have church together like this in a diverse community. This is a God thing. And only God can do this thing because it wasn't like this in the past. And we might think we've gotten it right. But 
I want you to carefully think about this. Because you can be in a place like this, but still have certain ideas that are not as transformed as they should be. I can be the black guy, because race is a big deal. Let's not skate around it. You know, let's not walk around the porridge. <laughs> let's step right into it. We're talking about discrimination, right? I can be the black guy who just talks to all the black people. And I think, I'm th- I might think that I'm connecting and regarding everyone as I'm supposed to. But what about getting outside of my comfort zone and reaching out to another person? We can have two different congregations within one congregation. And that, God hates that. He calls it a sin. And you see, when something is a sin, it means it's offensive. Every time God looks at it, it offends him. It hurts him. And that matters to him. So, I want you to consider, as, as we talk about this thing, consider the areas. Like, what areas? Because this thing can be very subtle. Very, very subtle. It can manifest in a way that you don't think it's, it's serious, but God sees it as a very serious thing. If we take the example of racism, for example, it, it, can, be, it can be passive or active. Either way, it is sin. You know? So, James is arguing that practical Christianity or true religion should not show partiality or favoritism or discrimination. And he says, when we do this, we are, we are acting with, we, we're doing this with evil thoughts, wrong judgments. When we act like this, when we, we behave like this as people who are called by God's name, Christians, believers, when we behave like this, it is evil. Think about that for a while. And the first thing I want to say is this. When we discriminate or favor some people over others, we are overlooking two important things. The first one is that no one deserves God's mercy. We are all born under sin. And the Bible says in Romans 3.23, it says, all have sinned. And falling short of the glory of God. We fall short of God's glorious standard. Whether somebody is fortunate or unfortunate. Whether they are at a place where they look successful. And this one is struggling under here. Every one of us. No matter the status. When it comes to God. He's no respecter of your status. The only thing that makes a difference is the blood of Jesus. When he sees the blood on a person, whether they're neglected or at the bottom of the social heap, that person is valuable. That person is saved. And I want to also submit that the fact that no one deserves the, 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 the mercies of God, it is God who actually initiates the process of bringing us back to lift us up. His unconditional love does not respect any status 
whether rich or poor. That's why Jesus actually said, blessed are the poor in spirit. And he was saying there's a spiritual poverty, a realization that no matter what you can achieve in this world, it will not impress God to a point where he says, wow, let me draw close to that dude. Look at Bill Gates. No, 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 no. None of that. The only thing that makes a difference is is the blood of Jesus. God's unconditional love. There is nothing in us that draws God to us. It is only his grace when he plants it in our hearts as we receive the gospel and we recognize that we are we need him. That that is what draws us. It's not found in us. It's found in him. Whether rich or poor, black or white, colored, Indian, whatever. You see, I love the diversity. But you see, it's God drawing us to himself. Because no one in themselves deserves the, 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 the mercies of God. And yet God has given us. That should humble us. The second thing we overlook when we behave like this is that no one is without value. Everyone is valuable. Life is sacred. The very fact that you have breath in your lungs this moment, that is value. That is God. You bear the image of God. And no unfortunate reality in this life can diminish the fact that God values you. Handicapped, lame, blind, Whatever state, you have value because there is still breath in your lungs. Because you are a human being created in God's image. And God wanted to infuse this idea into the minds of the Israelites when he instructed them to care for the poor amongst them. And he told them when you reap, when you're reaping the harvest, don't go back a second time. Leave what remains for the poor in your society, in your community, and the foreigners, the orphans, the widows. Why? Because they need to have some sense of dignity. They need to be cared for. And what Israel was to the Old Testament, the church of Jesus Christ is to the New Testament. And that is why we have to check our behavior, our attitude towards people who are struggling. You see? I know, I know, I know. It's a sobering message. But it needs to be spoken. Somebody has to say this. Somebody has to talk about this. We cannot be silent. Amen? So it is very important to understand. And you see, these things can manifest in a very subtle way. Because somebody might say, well, tell them. You know, tell these rich folk. Tell them. But you see, I have to take the plank out of mine. Before I can remove that spake in your eye. And I, I want to admit and submit to you that I, I am guilty. Many times. The way I discriminate. It may not be in terms of status. But just in race. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Because when I came to South Africa. I saw this woman. She was telling a story of a tragedy they had. And it was about a dog. Oh. He had a tumor. And. Oh, I'm saying, to me, it's weird where I come from. You see, like to care, a dog. Come on, it's just a dog. But you see, I don't know. I didn't know then. You see, I didn't understand how they felt, and I had to respect that. 
Do you understand? I had to respect that because they're coming from a different culture. You understand? They're coming from a different culture. All those tears, they're not wasting them. They're actually genuinely caring about God's creation. But because, oh, I'm like, oh, these white people. White people, come on, you, you shed tears about things that really matter. Now you see that, it can manifest in a subtle way like that, but you see I'm discriminating. And you see the fact that I don't respect their background, how they think, how they process ideas, I am, I am doing something that, that can hurt the body. You see, it's all about the body of Christ. You see, it can be subtle. These old black people. They just do emotionally jump around. But like, God created them that, that way. <laughs> They're like the tiger. <laughs> Jumping around making scary noises. I know that's funny, but guys, this is real. This is real. This is real. We need to seriously think about these things. God wants his church united and the way you, we think about other people on the other side of the fence, there's no fence, but it's there in our brains, you know? We need to cut that fence and cross over, reach out to somebody who's different from you, you know? And it's a challenge. You may blame it on, the, on personality. No, I'm just not the touchy type. I'm not the huggy type. I want to tell you something. This Moffat you see, this is not how I've always been. My wife was in the first service and I, I was telling the people in the first service, I was saying, this is not how, how I've always been. I'm a, I'm a, I've got a serious face. When you find, you catch me in a spot. <laughs> I've got a serious face and I'm, I like my privacy. I like my space. I had to pray to God. Help me, Lord. The moment I realized that God has called me to ministry, I knew I have to love people. You know, and I prayed and, you know, somebody was joking the other day. Like, if you want to know somebody who's new, just hang out with Moffat. It wasn't like that before. I didn't want it. But I prayed to God because I know it's important. God has called me to love people. And I had to ask him. And I, I, I must say, I don't say it in a bragging way, but I'm, I think I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Behold. You know, why? Because there is need for us to get challenged at that level where we understand that we need to be crossing. We need to see the humanity of other people. And I want to also say this. Just because somebody is rich, fortunate, successful, it's not an indicator of their relationship with God. Because the guys in the text, they missed it. You know? They missed it. They were looking at the success and thinking that these guys deserve a certain honor and authority in the body of Christ. Instead of bringing them to a place where they are sober and understand that the way they treat other people outside is actually offensive to God. They are giving them, flattering them. You know, flattering them, causing them not to... They're not giving them a chance to reflect on their behavior. That's why I was saying it can be active or passive. Because if I'm encouraging somebody, I may not be a racist. But if I'm, I know somebody who's 
being racist and I don't tell them anything. Do you know that I'm partaking in that sin? I'm a partaker. Some comments, posts, you know. My lack of intervention is offensive also. That's why in other places, James is talking about a brother who comes in need, for example, and you tell them, God bless you. The fact that I'm not responding with action, helping them in pr- with practical things, you know, that's not commendable. This is a tough subject. I know, I know, but we've got to talk about this. We are the people of God and we need to reflect who God is in our attitude towards one another. The other thing, the other thing that we can talk about is that God, God has value in people because they reflect his image. And James asks an, he asks an interesting question in verses 5 and 6. He says, haven't you been abused by the rich? Haven't you been oppressed by the rich? You know, the same guys who are supposed to come to a place of sobriety and realize that they are hurting you. You are giving them this position instead of causing them to realize that they are doing something wrong out there in society. You are treating them with special attention. You have become partakers. And because you are being partial, the same way they are being partial, this is something that is offensive as well. You know? Partiality will convict us as transgressors. And it gives an example that if you break the law, one law, but you obey another, you're still a lawbreaker. Meaning that if you are getting it right in other areas, you are giving to the kingdom, you are, you are attending life group, you are doing that, but then you still harbor these issues of discrimination, even in a subtle way. You are squashing everything else. You hear that? The part that you are getting wrong is affecting the, the part that you are do, getting right. The area in which you are winning is being defeated by the area in which you are losing. The fact that you are missing it in this area is a serious matter to God because it diminishes all your efforts and achievements and fruit in the other areas. Don't be a lawbreaker. That's basically what he's saying to us. As we seek to grow in other areas, let us grow in this area of embracing and including others into our circles, you know? Now, these are serious matters. These are serious matters, and we need to take them seriously and respond with the seriousness that they deserve. Amen? And God has called us to uphold the royal law. The royal law is that, that, that verse right there. You see, you understand the heartbeat of our, uh, of this church, View Church Melnaton. We care about what God cares about. Loving God, loving people. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the royal law. And it's a, it's a summary of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, the four commandments, they are all about loving God. But the other commandments that remain, the six, they are all about loving people. 
And Jesus truncated them into that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. That is the royal law. It's called the royal law because the king Jesus gave it to us. And he said, if you do this, you have fulfilled all the law and the prophets. If you get this right, then you get everything else right. Friends, let's think about this. What areas are we discriminating in? Where are we showing favoritism? It is not supposed to be numbered among us. We are supposed to be God's people. And that's why James is talking with a tone that is it's a tone of correcting. And, and, and he's, he's forceful when you read the tone of it. Do you not know that you are sinning? Why? Because he's talking to a people who already know that they didn't deserve the grace. God reached out to them at a time when they were lost. And if it wasn't for God's mercy, they would still be lost. But he's drawn them close. Because God is no respecter of persons. So, I want you to to just take on this exercise. This one exercise. Pray to God that he may give you a habit of interrupting. Those thoughts when they come, when you look at another person, let God give you a filter that helps you relate to another person as full of dignity and worth and value before God. May that be the first thing you see before you see anything else. Because respect of persons does damage to the body of Christ. And that's not a small thing, it's offensive, it is sinful. It is a sin before God and we need to seriously think about these things and respond with repentance and change of attitude. So I'm, I'm challenging you and I'm challenging myself because as I've been thinking about this message and preparing and all that, things were popping up in my head like, okay, so I know I'm going to tell people about this, but what about me? I won't tell you. (laughs) I'll tell God. But I want to encourage you. May God do something in your heart. May he give you his eyes. May you feel about people the way he feels about people. No matter who they are. No matter their status. No matter their level of education or anything. No matter their race, nationality. God cares. And it's offensive to him when believers especially behave in a way that is unseemly. Can we thank Moffat? I'm not exactly sure how to articulate this, so so bear with me as as I'm trying to get this across. But I felt so burdened. Um, just over some of the stuff that's being highlighted. So again, it's not new, and we know this. There's nothing new that's happening in our country all of a sudden. But it's finally been given more attention. Uh, gender-based violence, violent crime, uh, xenophobia, 
etc. So, so these are things that I've been thinking about. I'm reading stats. I'm reading stories. I mean, as some of you were here last week in the first service. We prayed for a few tragic situations that had just taken place last weekend. One of them was a young lady who was who was who used to be in our Telview congregation. Um, our oldest daughter used to lead a small group with her at View City. She was raped and murdered last weekend. Like these things are these things should be shocking. We should never be okay, ever. Uh, we should hate. We should hate violence. We should hate abuse. We should hate the misuse and the mistreatment of anybody because they are created in the image of God. So I feel like we need to pray for our country, for people that are in power, for people that are in positions of influence, but I also feel like we need to pray for ourselves. I feel we need to pray for our own hearts because the point that we're trying to get across today is that so often we can think that it's out there. It ain't out there. It's in here. And as Moffat said, we don't want to just try and focus on the speck in someone else's eye. We need to say, God, where's there a plank in our own? So we can, we can make broad statements and, and blanket statements, but, but we need to check ourselves first. So I want you to stand with us, please. And, and if you'd bear with me, I might just talk to you a little bit and then I might talk to God. And if you agree, you're able to agree. And then I might talk to you a bit again and then I might talk to God. But... But firstly, just, just if you don't mind closing your eyes, I want to pray, God, please, in Jesus' name. Please, where there are people that are here this morning, people that are going to be here tonight, people that were here in the first service, Lord, people that have been hurt, people that have been abused and mistreated. God, I pray for supernatural healing. Lord, we're not watering anything down. We're not excusing anything. Lord, we would have several people represented in a in a group this size, in a church our size, there'd be loads of people. I would imagine to some degree, everybody has faced, has been on the receiving end of some type of prejudice, some, tri- some type of mistreatment. But God, there are people that have been traumatized. And Lord, I just pray that, that what the enemy has meant for harm, that somehow, 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 that you would redeem it. Lord, that somehow you would, you would bring purpose into pain. Lord, that supernaturally you would bring healing where in the natural no healing could ever take place. God, help us not to deny facts and not to water facts down, but help us to also give attention to the truth. The truth of your power, the truth of hope, the truth that you and you alone are able to bring healing. You and you alone are able to to help us forgive. So Lord, I'm praying for for victims of mistreatment. But Lord, I also pray for the perpetrators. And again, for those of us that are able to be honest enough, maybe we would realize that in many cases, we, to some extent or another, could contribute towards the perpetration of prejudice, of favoritism, of mistreatment, of of putting people into, into a single grouping because of a single encounter with someone. So where we can put all men into a category or where we can put all people of a certain race or all people with a certain accent or from a certain nationality. God, forgive us. We need forgiveness. Just where you're standing, eyes closed, trying to reflect with God. Would you please ask God to show you? I'm asking God to show me where maybe I allow any level of prejudice 
where, where I struggle to correctly value someone that is different to me. God, would you show us, point out to us anything that offends you, God. Show us where we dehumanize others. God, would you, would you help us to see the difference between disagreeing and dishonoring? Help us to see the difference between disagreeing and dehumanizing someone else because we disagree so strongly. Disagreement isn't a problem, but God, we, there is never an excuse, never a justification for us to dehumanize somebody else, for us to mistreat someone else, for us to misuse someone else. God, we need healing and we need forgiveness and we need wisdom. God, we pray for our leaders. We pray for people in positions of power. Lord, not just our president, not just our members of parliament, but Lord, at every single level where where people are able to influence justice, where people are able to help bring protection. God, we pray for the protection of the people in our communities. God, we think of, of the young ladies. God, we think of people that have to walk, that have to take public transport. Lord, there's so many situations where we need supernatural protection. Lord, we're not okay with the fact that every 30 minutes someone is killed in South Africa. God, we're not okay. We know that you hate this. You hate injustice. You hate crime. So God, I don't know. (laughs) We don't know what to pray. We just say we need you. We need wisdom. Lord, our leaders need wisdom. Father, I pray for for, for teachers, for headmasters, Lord, for people that are in positions of influence where where they can help encourage, where they can bring perspective. Lord, I do pray that men would challenge other men, that boys would challenge other boys. Where there is ever, ever the entertainment of any any level of mistreatment, inappropriate humor, when it comes to, to girls, to ladies. God, I pray that, that Christians throughout South Africa, of every race, every gender, that Christians would be able to be conduits of light and life. Lord, that we wouldn't contribute towards hatred, that we wouldn't contribute towards the enemy's agenda where we try and fight hatred with hatred and fire with fire. But God, that we would bring grace, that we would bring life, that we would be open to you doing what only you can do in us, God. We're not trying to be sentimental. We know that sentimentality doesn't change anybody. God, we need you to change our hearts. Lord, our country needs you. Lord, as we go into our day today, as we go into our places of work and school tomorrow. God, please, please help us to recognize when maybe we're going to be contributing towards some of the evil that's taking place. And when we can bring just a healthy perspective, just just some healthy hope and some life. God, we declare that we need you. God, more than a certain government, more than any political party, more than any personality, we need the life-changing, life-saving, heart-melting, mind-transforming work that only Jesus can do. We need you. We want you. We need you. We know that there's darkness, but we know that where there is light, the darkness can never extinguish. Never. So God, help us to be conduits of your life. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said... Amen.